We read this morning already Psalm 23, and that is one of the most, right, beloved passages. Uh, it's read often at funerals, it's read at weddings, it's read when if it, somebody knows a scripture, it seems to be Psalm 23 is the scripture that they know, um, and it's a good one. It speaks about what? That the Lord, my shepherd, I'm not going to lack anything, or I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down with those green pastures. He refreshes me by leading me beside still waters. My soul is revived. He guides me along paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't don't fear evil because He's with me. His powerful rod and staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me, anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That psalm brings comfort to us because it reminds us of where God has brought us. It reminds us of how many times He has provided. It reminds us of in the deepest, darkest valleys or in the quiet, calm moments, the Lord has always been there. Sometimes in worship, we need to take a moment to just reflect. God, thank You for being my shepherd. Thank you that you are putting a table out there before me. I'm going to dwell in your presence forever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. We pray that you would speak to us from your truth, things that would guide our lives and guide this church in this moment of transition. We pray this in the name of Jesus. As we think about Psalm 23, we very quickly go to images of Jesus, right? Because in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's why we spend time having this, what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. We remember that Jesus laid down his life for us. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He, uh, in obedience to God the Father, became that perfect sacrifice, that perfect payment, that perfect one who alone could be the substitute for our sins. He gave his life for us. Not only to redeem us, but to take his life up again and guarantee for us eternal life. I'm so thankful for the Lord. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for him as the good shepherd. But did you ever notice that in that passage, Jesus immediately starts talking about something else? I'm the good shepherd. But then he brings up the hired hand. Look in verse 1. Or, or, yeah, look at verse 12. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. I, I, I sort of was in that in the Zen zone, zoom, kind of feeling the goodness of the Lord, right? God's my shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm ready to see lots of nice little pastoral pictures of Jesus with a little lamb and a little kid or something. I mean, I, I, I'm sort of in that like reflecting moment. And we need to worship there absolutely and remember Jesus. But why is he talking about a hired hand? 
Why is Jesus talking about the wolf coming and scattering the flock? Why does Jesus shift gears in the middle of it? I actually think we missed the main point of that passage. When Jesus begins to talk about himself as the good shepherd, yeah, I think he is talking about the fulfillment of Psalm 23, but he is also speaking about a passage in Ezekiel. And he is wanting us, and he is wanting the religious leaders of his day to know that he is fulfilling a prophecy, a prophecy from Ezekiel. And we've been studying the book of Ezekiel together, so let's take a look at what Jesus was referring to. It says in Ezekiel 34, verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord, Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Jesus, when he talks about the hired hand who's there, who's not a real shepherd. And I'm thinking, well, Jesus, if you're hired to be a shepherd, aren't you a shepherd? (laughs) If you're hired to be a security guard, aren't you a security guard? (laughs) If you're hired to be the lawn care guy, aren't you a lawn care specialist? If you were hired to do a job, aren't you now in that profession or that role? But Jesus says no. They're not a real shepherd. They're not the good shepherd. Good shepherds take care of the sheep. He says he's the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. He is referring to bad shepherds. The ones who feed only themselves. Who only take care of themselves. Now, we know that this was talking about the religious leadership of Israel. He's not actually saying, boy, there's a bunch of bad shepherds out there. And, you know, we need to, like, really pass some new laws and government to make sure the shepherds don't run away when the wolves come. He is not talking about that. He is talking about the religious leadership of his day. That the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the priesthood, that they were getting rich off of taxation, um, of the poor, uh, forcing them to pay to make the temple go. They were getting um, rules that passed, and they were the enforcers of those rules. They were judge, jury, not quite executioner, but they did bring the sentences. These people were enthralled with their own power and their own prestige, and they weren't taking care of the sheep. And God speaks to Ezekiel and says, Say to them, Woe to you. Shepherds of Israel. Today we, we could ask the same question. Are there bad shepherds? Are there bad pastors? Are there bad religious leaders? Surely not. And we can believe that as long as we don't turn on the news, right? <laughs> we can believe that for a few minutes. Um, we know there are bad shepherds. We only have to look to um, recent headlines to see some new scandal or some new attack and some new um, wrong that denominational leadership has done in some way of some religious organization. We know there are bad shepherds. The Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' followers, was so insistent that we be good shepherds. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, to the elders among you, That's the elders, the pastors, the shepherds. I appeal to you as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. We know we have bad shepherds. 
I grew up, I had the best. I mean, really, one of the best church experiences. I really liked it. I had one of the best preachers. I mean, he was famous. And they sent him everywhere. He was always preaching. He had people that helped him write his sermons. I think, well, that'd be nice. But he had, I mean, he had a whole staff of seminary students that helped him write his sermons. And he was amazing. I think every week I was down at the front confessing my sins, (laughs) praying to the Lord. I mean, every sermon moved me to my heart. Oh, he was amazing. Until it came out that he had an affair with one of the other leaders in the church. But at least I had my youth minister. He was good. Then he left all of a sudden. We don't know why. Twenty years later, it came out in the papers from sexual abuse stuff. It's all around us. We know there's bad shepherds. And Peter's saying, hey, elders, I'm not just kind of uh, saying this just for my own good. God is not putting in his in his word for no reason. He's saying, elders, listen up. I was a witness of Christ's suffering. He gave it all for us. And I'm going to share in that glory to be revealed. You better shepherd the flock of God. So this morning, I don't know if this sermon's for you. Maybe it's just for me. And you can kind of hang along. Okay? Or maybe it's for us as a church. As we look for, God, where is your leadership? And what kind of shepherd do we need to have? Or maybe it's for you too. Because you've got a flock that you're shepherding. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your Sunday school class. Maybe it's in this congregation. We all shepherd. We need to realize and look in God's word for the shepherd we need. What kind of shepherd do we need? Well, the scripture says, first of all, that shepherd needs to be willing and available. Not reluctant, not like, no, 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 not me, no, I'm not going to take on the job. If you're reluctant, fine, that's fine, just sit out. The shepherd we need is someone who is eager and willing to serve. The shepherd we're called to be. Look, that's what Peter says. And in First Peter chapter 5, verse 2, he says, um, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Shepherds, first of all, have to be willing and available. They have to be those people who are saying, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll volunteer. Yeah, put me in, coach. Were you ever that eager player on the field? It was the Junior Varsity City Championships. I can remember that day well. Now, I was on the junior varsity team that didn't make the championship. It was our other, we had two JV teams in our school. It was really the other team that made the championship. But the coach was like, here's what we'll do. We'll combine the two JV teams so that both of the, JV means junior varsity, meaning it wasn't really actually that important or actually a real championship. But that's okay. We were in and we were ready to play. And I can remember saying, you know, standing outside, all right, coach, I'm ready. Go in. He's like, don't get beat, McQuitty. I'm like, no, no, I won't get beat. I got beat. I got pulled back out. It was not the best day. But I was eager. I wanted to play. I wanted to, I wanted to be in the game. Our pastors and shepherds need to say, yeah, there is a calling of God. There is something to be done. Put me in, coach. I want to play. Look at what Ezekiel, when God condemns those, those, those shepherds of Israel who weren't taking care of the flock, it says this in verse 6, My sheep were wandering all over the mountains, on every high hill. They were scattered all over the earth, and no one, no one searched or looked for them. There was an entire tribe, 
the priestly tribe, the Levites, they were supposed to be spread out in all the tribes, in all the villages. They were supposed to be scattered around Israel so that they could bring in the people, that they could teach God's word wherever they were placed. They were sent out as God's ambassadors, as his teachers, as his pastoral staff, his shepherds to bring in God's people. They were strategically placed throughout the nation of Israel and they weren't doing their job. I'm pretty convinced that I never want to be the pastor that sits in an office all day. Poor Cindy's like, I just wish you'd come like one day a week. I'd be awesome if you could just like communicate with me. I mean, I, 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 I'm not a sit in the office kind of person. I'll be, because I think part of our calling is to be out there, that God has placed us not in a church building, but he has placed you in your profession, in your office, in your classroom, in your place of work. He has placed you as ambassadors for the good news of Jesus in your families, in your neighborhood, shepherds of Israel. Are we searching for those who need to be part of the flock? Not maybe just Valley Baptist Church, but part of the family of God. The shepherd we need is available, willing, and eager to be part of God's mission. Are you excited to be here? Are you wanting to serve? Are you saying, look, I I could actually do something else. Is there any other way I can help? Shepherds of Israel, we need one that's willing and available. Number two. We need one that's a humble servant and not greedy for money. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 5. It's amazing that even then, before they were even had paid clergy, that you found religious leaders, even in that early first Christian church, starting to be those that were like, you know, could you help me out a little bit? Could you give me a little money? Could you? And all of a sudden, people had Paul, the apostle, says they turned righteousness into an excuse for greed. Here, Paul says it, or Peter says it, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. He's specifically talking about ministers and pastors who were these church leaders who were trying to get money. They were trying to get financial reward. It's like, well, I can't come and speak or lead here unless you pay me this amount. That's probably not the person you want. In leadership. You've seen it happen. I have. I remember we were a young campus ministry back in Texas. Um, I was doing some of the college work there. And um, one of our friends, uh, Cindy, uh, and I were putting together this kind of thing. And, and there was a local Christian band. They weren't that great. But they were local. And we thought we could afford them. We didn't have much. But they wouldn't come. They were like, Listen, we'd rather stay at home with our families than for that amount. They're not a Christian band anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I don't think God honored that, right? I mean, they, they didn't get to continue to serve. You need to, he says, not pursuing a dishonest gain, but eager to serve, giving of yourself. Ezekiel's day, it was no different, right? The, the priests, the leaders, it says, you eat the curds, God says. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the choice animals. That's to have a big barbecue or something. But you don't take care of the flock. Wow. That's an indictment against the corruption that can so easily come in the church. Now, maybe you all aren't tempted that, that way, but... And I'll tell you, it's easy. It's really easy. I was a young missionary, and um, 
I was so thankful when I moved to New York. They were so gracious. They were like, oh, oh, if you need to like take some students to lunch, here, here, we'll pay for that. Okay, oh, great, thank you. Oh, oh, do you need to travel around to some of the other colleges and visit the churches? Here, rent a car, we'll pay for that. And I was like, oh, that, that's super great, because I only didn't have two, we only had one car. My wife needed one, so they rented me a car. Great, thank you. Oh, do you need to go to this conference? Yeah, we'll pay for that. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. After a while, it was interesting how quickly I got used to somebody else paying for everything a trap. It's a trap in our hearts. We feed only ourselves and not take care of those around us. What kind of shepherd do we need? Well, we also need one that's a good example. Not so I put a tyrant. That might be a little bit strong language. But someone who is about quick to give lots of rules. That's what the religious leadership of Israel was like. But not those that were being a good example. Peter says this way, not lording it over those entrusted you, not being the tyrant, but being an example to the flock. In Ezekiel, he says, you haven't strengthened the weak. You haven't healed the sick. You haven't bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost, but you've ruled them harshly and brutally. How quickly religious leadership can turn into some kind of position where you think you're in charge or it's your job to give rules or it's your job to give people things to do. Pastors, teachers, Sunday school leaders, disciple makers, we are called to love, to bind up the injured, to help those who are struggling, to, yes, give and challenges for people to to know God more and to do spiritual disciplines to help them grow. But it's always for their good, not for yours. Not so that you can somehow feed some kind of power trip in people's lives. The pastor, Valley Baptist, needs someone who's an example to the flock. Someone who is a model to the flock. But this morning I got some good news for you. We've already got a shepherd. We've got a really good shepherd. Who's the shepherd that we already have? Well, you know his name. His name is Jesus. In Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, God goes on to say it this way. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for the sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock um, when when he is with them, so I'm going to look after my sheep. And I'm going to rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. Can you hear Jesus now saying, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep? That all others who came before me were thieves and robbers? The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. He doesn't search for them. He's quoting exactly the same image that is here in Ezekiel 34, where God is saying, no, I'm coming. I'm going to shepherd my sheep. I'm coming. I'm going to gather the scattered flock. I'm coming. I'm going to rescue them on those days of darkness. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd... He was putting the religious leadership of his day on notice. This prophecy in Ezekiel 34 has been fulfilled. I'm here now. And you're fired. You kind of realize why they wanted to kill him. (laughs) You guys are out of a job. 
You haven't done the job that I've called you to. You haven't done the mission that I assigned you to. And now I'm here to take care of my sheep. I'm intervening. I'm sending. And if you don't think it's about Jesus, look what it says. I will tend them on good pasture. On mountain heights of Israel, I will be uh, their grazing land. They will be, lie down in good grazing land. There they will feed in the rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I'll tell you, we need a good pastor. But the truth of the matter is, We've got one. We've got one that can be there for your every need. Because no pastor at Valley Baptist Church is going to be there every time you need him. That's just not going to happen. No church staff, no matter how many, you can hire a dozen of them, they're not going to be able to meet and do everything. But we have a shepherd in our life who leads us by still waters, who binds up our wounds, who seeks after the lost. Even when we're failing on our job to be those who seek after the lost, the Lord is convicting hearts. The Lord is working in lives. I'm always amazed how little I actually feel like I do and how much God already accomplishes, how He's been working through His Word and His Spirit. I don't need to convince anybody of anything. The Lord will already be in their hearts. I don't have to fix somebody's emotional needs. I can't. I don't know what I'm doing. But don't worry. The Lord will take care of you. The Lord, I can pray. I can watch and watch the healing that only God can bring. When Jesus was speaking, I am the good shepherd, he very much wanted the people to know that he had come. This is the prophecy. This is how it ends. Verse 23, and I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them and he will tend them and be their shepherd. The Lord will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. The Lord, I the Lord have spoken. Ezekiel is prophesying here in, you know, around the 580 B.C. David died somewhere in 900 B.C. range. This is four or five hundred years after David. David's dead. And they know where his tomb is. They can be like, oh yeah, he's buried right there. It's not David that's coming. It's not David that was going to be the, be the shepherd. No, no, no. This is very much what's called a messianic prophecy. That it was about the future. It was about the Messiah king who would be a king like David, but even better than David. Where David was unfaithful, this king would not be, not be. Where David was a great conqueror, this king would come and conquer hearts and bring people into a family. Where David subjugated nations, this one is the rightful heir of all nations, inviting all to come and be part of his kingdom. Where David would come, and yeah, sure, he was a good, good leader in many ways. Jesus would come and be the perfect leader in every situation. We have a good good shepherd. So what does that mean for us, church? What does that mean? Number one, are you relying on the good shepherd? Some of you may not be believers here today. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've never asked Him to come into your life and you need Jesus today. Would you ask Jesus to be your Savior? Jesus, I'm yours. Be my Savior. 
Some of you, you're trusting everybody else to be your shepherd. Family, your boss, someone else to take care of you when we know that everything is uncertain with the Lord. Some of us are called to be those shepherds. You know where, right? You know where God's assigned you. Whether it's a place in the church or a place in a Sunday school class or a place in your family or a place in your business. But somewhere you are being that one who is ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are the one who God is using. And your calling is to go and to bind up those who are brokenhearted. Help heal the wounds. Um, witness to an invitation of God to come into this kingdom. Are you being the shepherd? Are you being the guide? That God has called you to be. And finally, are you joining me and the Future Directions Leadership Committee, the FDLC? Are you praying for God's direction during this time? That that would include good shepherds, people that would help us thrive, help us grow, and lead us into the next if you need to respond today, maybe you're saying, I, I need God to speak into this area of my life. I'll be up front. Come, we'll pray. If you're making a decision for Jesus or you want to join this church, could you just know this is where God's calling you to serve? You respond. As we sing a couple more songs, you respond. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do acknowledge that you are our shepherd. Thank you for fulfilling the prophecy perfectly and leading us in the way that only you can. We wait for your guidance. Help us be shepherds like you. So we pray in your name, Lord Jesus.